You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, Make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys. I'm so happy to have you with us for the Enneagram and Marriage pod today. We are talking about soul care with individuals, with couples, and in your marriage, as well as how men can become more emotionally attuned. I am so happy that I am joined by Jessica and Travis Vongsness for this episode. They are experts on this, humble experts, who are also on the journey with us with their five kids, two of them adopted, and they have walked through trauma-informed work. They've been through ENM certification. They were my first couple to get certified a while back, and I'm so glad to have them as a couple but also as individual coaches who do beautiful work out there and also Travis's book, Shiny Eyes. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about that too, just the ways that we can, of course, gloss over, glaze over, miss everybody, including ourselves, or we can allow our eyes to really see. And this is a quote taken from one of Wes's favorite authors, Peter Kraft, about shiny eyes. So we're going to talk about their book, but also more importantly, just how you can sit with God, with yourself in the midst of all the fray this season or wherever you're at, because this is also a season where a lot of people have seasonal affect disorder. And so as you're taking care, I hope of your basic self-care needs, huge, huge, huge. You have to do this. If you're going to have anything to give to marriage, make sure you're also now looking at soul care because we talk so much about like, okay, get your fitness, get your exercise. You know, I'm like that. Or even on those rest seasons of life where we're injured. It's like, just allow stretching, allow breath work. And we also talk a lot about just allowing for, you know, some nutritional balance and some sleep. But now we have to up our ante a little bit because this is the time of year where we're just plagued by so many things. Like last night I was at a dance mom and daughter's fun meeting. It was great. But then this morning we're whisked off to, we have our holiday attire on and I have my Christmas lights behind me. Um, But like, we're going to be going to a lip sync battle with our kids for theater and dance and it'll be a great time. And there's cookies to make for first responders and you know, the drills, right? Um, so you have to find your way. And yes, I do have a date with Westland tonight. Um, But I, I also know that sometimes there's this pacing that we keep where we forget to allow for what God is doing now. And we go to unhealthy self-soothing when we feel hurt by our spouse, by our kids, by our situations, by our stresses. And so I just want you to take a deep breath now as you're listening and truly allow yourself a moment to pause and to reflect and to just step into this episode with awareness that you are going to be gifted with a new tool today from Jesse and Travis, uh, whichever tool you choose to take with you about how to really allow yourself to settle into what God has for you right now, as well as take care of your soul. Because if you don't take care of you in the midst of it all, including on that, that deeper level, Uh, That's so cool that they can invite us into as the four, eight, they're so brave and deep to be able to say like, we can do this together, guys. They're doing it with us. Um, 
to really allow for you to have that deeper healing. So that's always what we want is for you to have the quick fix. uh, And it might even be that that you grab today. Or it might be a deeper dive where you're like, I'm headed in. I am ready to really analyze where I've come from and where I'm going. And I'm going to take these tips and run with them. So however you do that, I support you. I'm grateful. We are here for you here on Instagram, on Substack now. We also have these sales. We also have Jesse's and Travis's amazing resources and their retreat center, a shiny eyes retreat. I love this couple. I'm going to actually get to see them when they come into town. And I haven't ever gotten to meet them in person, even though I'm like, oh, I've known them for years now. But uh, it's always beautiful to get to make connections with my EM people. So very grateful. And I hope you really enjoy this time together with us. I'm so glad to talk to you guys today. Thanks so much for joining us, Jess and Travis. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we're so grateful we get to really enjoy talking about soul care with you guys. This is such a wonderful pairing to get to talk to together. Four and eight. We want to really quick hear a bit about, it's been a while since Jess came on. So tell us a little bit about yourselves and a bit about your story before we get started. Yeah, I'm Jesse Vonsness and I am an Enneagram four and Travis and I met 17 years ago. We've been married 16 years. We have five kiddos, two adopted. I completed the Enneagram and marriage certification two years ago. Yeah, it's just been a wild ride of a lot of a lot of amazing tools and learning growth. And you guys are building your beautiful retreat center, shiny eyes. I love it so much and creating a safe space for individuals and couples to heal. And that's what we hope we'll get from today's episode. Everybody needs that so much. We get to go to the depths with you guys. um, And we also will be able to uh, learn by triads. So thanks for coming. And also before we jump right in, I just want to say something I loved from Travis's book was he said, um, I love my wife's captivating eyes right away from the beginning of the book. And I was like, you guys are so romantic, of course, with this four, eight pairing. (laughs) You know, I love that. (laughs) And then all the sparks followed after that. So (laughs) So, yeah, all kinds of sparks, (laughs) (laughs) but we all have those. And so I love that you guys are real with us to say we work on that. And that's so beautiful. Um, So tell us a little bit about when we think about soul care and how to really uh, take care of each other in marriage. Um, tell us what you feel the soul is so that we can all get on the same page. We know a lot of people use different terminology for that, for that word. Yeah. So the way, I mean, I would understand it sort of biblically, but also just in terms of looking at the soul is the soul is, uh, it's the totality of who I am, but it's also the core of who I am. And it's the real me. It's the sort of, I would say, interconnected center where, heart, mind, and body all come together. Like it's this, and it feels like this mysterious place, but it's, I think it's just, it's the true inner core of who I am. And I, I, I believe that when we look at the new Testament, like when Jesus was gazing with his gaze, his holy eyes at people, he was, he was looking, I think at their soul, mm. you know, looking through into who they are. Yeah. The whole, the mm-hmm. whole of them. The whole yeah. Of them. Yeah. A beautiful reminder for us all that Christ looks at us down to that level. And so tell me about how, when you guys were thinking about how to bring soul care to your clients, to your people, how did that land with you in terms of Enneagram? What made the most sense getting to those souls? 
you know, just to start the overall perspective that we really landed on is this idea that there's three movements, like almost like a method of gauging your own soul care. And I think curiosity, contemplation, cultivation are those methods that the avenues that that we want to take. But I mean, the centers, the intelligence centers is a beautiful way of, of getting more information, of balancing and knowing where to go from there. Mm, that makes sense. And when you guys come into this place of curiosity and contemplation, do you usually start with prayer? Do you usually say, let me kind of delineate how am I doing with head, heart, and body? And you might do this differently. I'd love to hear from you both on how you arrive at, even just before you help others, how do you get soul care? Great question. Uh, Still under construction, but yep, which we all of course are. But starting with me, I think for, yeah, I think what Jesse sort of said of like cultivating our souls through looking at the opportunities in our everyday that are what appear to be mundane, small, ordinary, and realizing that in those moments are like the, the way we live our days is how we live our lives. I think Annie Dillard said. So it's like, These small moments are what shapes us. And it's looking at, I guess, trying to take each day and and see through the lens of curiosity, see where God is present. Where is he working? What's he doing? Contemplating. And this is all a process for me, for sure. But trying to slow down, be present. As an aide, I just struggle to even breathe sometimes. I'm just fast and just so much flurry of intensity, even right now. So (laughs) just breathing, being still. And then lastly, my one of my favorite all-time quotes by Walker Percy, consciously cultivate the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And that is soul care. Consciously mm-hmm. cultivate the ordinary, everything around us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's a good reminder is the breath slows you down to even be able to do that, to look and see where you're at, to orient you. Yeah. Yeah. And you asked about prayer. Um, you know, I think one of my favorite sort of contemplative prayers um, by Father Thomas Keating is called the Welcome Prayer. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I would love to hear it if you he, know it or you can yeah, just yes. tell us about it. I'd love to share that with um, your listeners. Um, the the curious thing, though, is not very long ago I heard the echo of the desire for each intelligence center you know, the, the desire for head, heart, and body. And we have unique desires for each Enneagram number, but I'll just, I'll just pray this Mm. out loud for a second and, and maybe you'll hear them too. So it's welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection and esteem. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within me. So that that echo of just in, in a prayer saying, um, you know, whether you're in the, the body center and it's that power, that desire for power and control, or it's the, um, the heart center and it's affection and esteem, or, you know, the head center that, that want for survival and security. It's like, 
you're opening saying God's action within me is like all part of that contemplative, like, you know, listening really. Mm. Yeah. And you have such a lilting voice that I just like almost fell asleep, just listening <laughs> in the best ways, which I never do. So thank you for, I know you have the four, seven, nine tri type, right? Or is it four, nine, seven? You know, I'm pretty high in five. So there's times I don't know, is it seven or five? I'm not sure, but definitely the four, nine. <laughs> yeah. And I can just feel that with you. And I know you were just doing group coaching before this and I, everyone is so blessed who gets to work with you. So I know our listeners and I so appreciate you just reading that prayer. I want to find that prayer uh, for my daily office too. So thank you. Um, And just to be honest with you, I think that even as much as we could hear those centers, and I'm glad you pointed them out, sometimes we still get caught in them. I know I do often. And sometimes it's like, I'm so in my thinking and the stories are just running away from me so fast. So I was hoping you could take us through the the centers, the head, heart, body, so that we could have some ideas for practices we can do. And yes, we've talked about this before, but this is an everyday thing. Like I said, I've been doing this work for many years and I'm still needing it. So would you mind taking us through some practices for each center, you guys? Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, doing a lot of writing and, and contemplating about um, the centers and soul care, um, you know, just for our, our leading people. And, um, and it's been really rich, you know, to kind of uncover some of these things and, and, you know, test them and talk to people about it. But um, so we know like head, head center, five, sixes and sevens, how much, uh, you know, there's that sense of wanting safety and security. And, you know, it's, it's a lot about ideas and observations and information. And, you know, there's so many different, you know, comes out in different ways for each number, but, um, but the path, the soul care path um, that's recommended for the head center is silence. And um, it's in that silence that you confront anxieties and that you can pursue faith. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's just kind of the beginning of that. And then a, some practices in that silent space is, um, you know, kind of getting out of the head space and engaging the heart. So that's like through, could be poetry, it could be art, um, it could be just using more emotional words in, instead of um, maybe, you know, logic, but really engaging uh, feelings and in that heart space. Um, but then not neglecting the body. Obviously, if you're primarily in the head, you want to do your body work too. And so you're just asking the other two centers questions and listening for answers. Hmm. Um, well, that's so. interesting. So if we're head center types, we might ask our bodies, what do you need? Those kinds of questions or our hearts, like, what are you feeling? Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Just that um, being curious again, you know, that wondering saying, I, I don't have certainty of anything. I'm going to just explore and just see what, you know, what's going on with me. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's so much of the depths that we just don't even know that's there. Well, and I think we can help each other so much in marriage if we know this too. I think this is an episode I'd like for people to listen to together because I think in the middle of conflict, we need this. I know sometimes when I'm in the middle of conflict with Wes and I'm stuck there, he'll go, take a breath. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like this ragged breath comes out or, you know, I have to just say, I'm going to feel like crap. I'm going to probably cry, 
but it's probably worth it. And I will literally have to process it in the head first. Like, hold on, do I have anything I need to do later today in case I get a migraine? And so like, we'll go there, but I think that we need to barter together as spouses sometimes. I'm just trying to be creative because we need help day to day with this. So thank you for talking this through with me. Do you have anything to add to that either of you as we, before we hit the next center? No, I'm just affirming the breath stuff. I'm right there with you. Like constantly it's like, Please slow down, breathe. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. There's probably half of every uh, couple saying the same with us and the other half's like, yes, I know my spouse does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. Then how about we uh, talk a little bit about the, um, the heart center, your, your space, Jesse. Yes. For twos, threes, and fours, um, in the heart center, the path, the soul care path is um, solitude. So in that kind of alone space, you know, it can be quiet, but really it's, it's disconnecting from people because they're twos, threes, and fours are so people focused, you know, Mm -hmm. they love um, connection and, and, you know, they do like attention and there's, there's so many aspects that, um, and those are wrong. It's just, you, you seek those things so much. So removing yourself and, and being in solitude, you have an opportunity to confront shame and pursue love, you know, kind of that authentic love. Um, and so a good practice for heart space, two, threes, and fours would be um, really kind of sensing in the body. I mean, I think I hear often um, heart space, people will kind of go to the head and they go back and forth between feelings and thoughts and thoughts and feelings. And, and, but really going, remembering to do that body work and getting in touch with the felt sense, um, you know, meeting sensory needs. Um, it could be stretches or authentic movement. Um, but then again, just asking those questions, the questions in the other centers, what is my body saying and what is my, um, head saying, um, and listen for the answers, you know? Yes. What about authentic movement? Can you tell us more about that and what that might look like for heart types or anybody? Yeah, just, um, you know, many people know dance or yoga or things. They're very led. It's choreographed or it's, it's, it's kind of that, um, sense of like, I know where this is going, but when you're authentically moving, it's, I'm just listening to what my body needs. So like maybe my neck is very stiff and I'm, I could be dancing or I could just be stretching. It's, it's very, organic to whatever your body needs. And you're just, you're going with listening to the body is really what it is. Mm, I love that. And I think heart types are often able to say, okay, I'll be the first to love, but to be the first to take care of themselves might feel very new for them or the first to think critically. So this is such a gift. Thank you. And so when we talk about body types, um, eights, nines, and ones, um, you know, they have a lot of energy, <laughs> um, nines, uh, you know, at times, um, don't have as much as the other two, but, um, but there's all that, you know, that, um, reactive energy and, and, um, and so really in that sense, it's, we're, we're talking about power, I feel like. Um, and so, yes soul care path is that stillness where you confront the power and, um, you can pursue peace. Um, so whether that's peace within yourself or your calming anger and pursuing Mm -hmm. peace with other people, um, that is just really good work. I mean, it's doing, 
to be still. And I think that's just a, you know, not something people think about, you know, they feel like it's nothing (laughs) to be still. Yes. And asking for a friend when we have somebody (laughs) spouse in a body type, how can we encourage them? And Travis might want to take this as a body type or you just as a spouse, but like, what if they're like not aware that it's a power pursuit and you want to be gentle about that versus accusatory? You want to take that? You want to take that? <laughs> what is not working? <laughs> uh, how to not respond? I mean, what what have you observed? That, that you know, gently reminding them of the. I, I think that the word energy is just a very neutral thing because it's like you have a lot of things going on inside of you, and so you know, just prompting or cueing your spouse to say like, "I'm noticing." you know, some real busy energy or like that you're, um, you know, uh, haven't sat down, you haven't eaten anything, you know, um, is there something that, you know, would help you slow down a little bit, um, and calm that energy? I think that would benefit you, you know, and from a place of love saying, I care about you. I'm not judging the way that you're moving fast, but it might be good for you to take you know, a slower pace for a little bit. That makes sense. And drawing them into the heart space a little bit there or the, you know, other side of the body space versus the seeking for dominance to how are you doing? Like you said, like they might not be doing well and don't even realize it. And Travis said that too, you can be moving so fast. You don't even realize you're not even doing well in the body. Yeah. And I think other people read that they're like, Oh, they've sped way fast. And at least for an eight, you know, I'm watching him, you know, start to, to grind and go faster and faster. And then the listening, like listening to other people might slow down or, you know, to where it's, it's harder for him to listen when he's moving so fast. And so that does cause conflicts. (laughs) This, this was the story of my day yesterday as an eight gut type, um, when, especially for me under duress and stress, I mean, I think in some ways we feel like we're made for that, you know, and, and, and I think we rise up more, you know, we're the disruptors, you know, challenge things, you know, and that can be good and bad. But I think what I've seen is that intensity to do that, um, even to come off of those moments, even when it's needed, like I, you know, there was something around, um, something with my brother's, uh, care and he's in the care of doctors and but needing to kind of stand up for him but then I just felt like the rest of my day with that intensity and that just gut reactivity that's so quick Jesse was feeling that the rest of the day of like even just in conversations of like saying something boom I'm jumping in on it and like I'm reacting and I'm quick to like make assumptions and she's just so it was like what I needed was the very thing which I didn't do well at was to just slow down breathe Mm-hmm. wait till I react, you know, kind of come down. So I got to do that every day. Yeah. Well, and it goes the other way too, where it's just, you know, then when he's noticing that my emotions have taken over as a heart type, you know, uh, coming with that curiosity and not, um, like you said, just not that judgment, but just says like, I'm just, I'm noticing that, you know, you, you don't seem quite like yourself, you know, are you, are you having, uh, you know, some struggles, or do you want to talk, you know, and, and just keying into the fact that emotions are bigger, um, makes me feel very loved, you know, when he does that. So. Mm. 
that's good. And so you don't see him trying to take overship or leadership or dominance. It's more just coming alongside you as a friend, as a partner and saying, like, can I walk with you in this moment together? Which I love because that's, you know, what I got to read in your book, Shiny Eyes, where you're reminding us to have those, uh, what you talk about as bonfire eyes. And I love the glow analogy and all the fire um, because you really remind us like when we can support one another on the journey in that heart space, we, we do better as humans. And um, we uh, can remember times when we fell down or were walking the dark roads, but then somebody uh, was walking alongside us. And I think in marriage, you hope that's your spouse, right? A lot of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. To have your back and be with you on the journey. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do that if we're not centered around these soul care practices for ourselves. And you said, hey, I do that by trying to take intentional slow time. When I find myself in my body, I try to come into the other two centers. Jesse, it sounds like when you're stuck in the heart, is that what you try to do to come alongside your thinking and your body? Yeah, definitely body first mm-hmm. helps me. Um, and then when I can calm the that dysregulation, then my thoughts are clearer, you know, mm-hmm. and emotions aren't as big, as dramatic. Mm, Wow. And it feels like they're everything in the moment. So that's really an act of faith. And Mm -hmm. do you feel that um, anything in your life helps to support you guys when you're like, I'm dysregulated. It's hard for me to make the switch out of my typical triad. And I'm going to try to like, is there anything that just helps you? One of the biggest ones we continue to say is breath. Um, But anything else that you're just like, yes, this helps me so much when I do this or when my spouse does this with me. I mean, I think for me, co-regulation, and again, it's like, it's the body thing. It's like, if he's just holding me or hugging me tight or something, I, I literally, the emotions just kind of move through. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's much better. You know, but then when he's, if, if he is more self-protective, because we both have the self-pres instinct, mm-hmm. if he's a little bit more on his side and I'm on mine and we feel disconnected, it's harder for me to get those emotions. You know, it's my job, it's my work to do, but I'm saying that's a way that he helps me. Mm, I love that. And for those who don't know what co-regulation is, you really started to just show us and tell us about it, but can you sort of help uh, those who still may be wondering what that is, um, how they can do that? Um, So what co-regulation is, you mean? Or yeah. yeah. So like, you know, our our emotions, our, our sensations, everything's controlled by the brain and the nervous system. And so um, when, um, when, someone else is calm and present and um, safe and you're not doing well. And then they come to your aid. They're kind of like an ally. Um, They're being calm and safe for you until you can get there. So that co-regulation just looks like it could be talking. It could be touch. um, You know, it could be working on activity together. There's a lot of ways that you can get co-regulation. Um, but it's that those mirror neurons that um, that we hear about in neuroscience that means our brain can just reflect the calm that they have. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wonderful that we can do that for each other in community? That's so cool. And even smiling at each other can do that. And uh, like you said, 
Travis holding you just brings you right back to where you need to be. So it's sort of counterintuitive for some spouses to reach out for each other, but it's just what we need. So thank you for telling us a few ways we could do that. (laughs) I know those were not scripted questions, guys listening, because I just, you know, sometimes like to add on. So thank you for going through these with me. Um, I also loved how you talked about retreat. I mean, we've talked about your shiny eyes retreat, but also just even your definition of retreat. I love because we need that too sometimes versus just constantly doing the conflict work. Can you guys tell us about when you say we need retreat, spiritual retreat in our lives, whether we go to a conference center or not, what do, what do you mean there? Well, so one, so if you know me, I just, I love quotes. They're, they're sort of to me signposts and markers. They're, they light paths. Um, my first answer to that is it's a Rwandan proverb or something, but it's just like something that, to the effect of like, we can outrun what's behind us. We cannot run what's in us, what's mm-hmm. inside us. And I, that's my life. I I'm escaping and hiding and ducking and, you know, all this stuff. But I think retreat gives us the space to, sit down, whatever posture it is, but I mean, disconnect. Uh, And this doesn't have to be in some amazing place of the mountain view, but to cultivate, again, consciously cultivate the ordinary, what's in my ordinary surroundings that what's comfortable for me to make a space where I can disconnect, slow down, um, start to have more of self-awareness of, you know, what, what is running in me right now? What, what am I running from or to, or, and start to maybe get a sense of those thoughts that otherwise we just cover up with sports radio and the next Facebook post and whatever. And so I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's a roundabout answer, but a retreat, yeah, is, is, a is, is a, a space to, what would you say, engage and contemplate our inner world better? Yeah. And I think it depends on the focus of the retreat because you have spiritual retreats and marriage retreats and, you know, mm-hmm. silence and, you know, self-guided retreats, but, but ultimately it's, it's bringing your kind of undivided attention for an extended period of time to in a spiritual context would be to God and to just get alone with him and really like explore that whole relationship. But, and then in marriage, that's saying, you know, I'm going to really invest in this union and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you my attention for a long period of time. And we're going to, you know, we're going to think past, present, future. We're going to remember the good times. We're going to be present with each other in that time that we're there, but we can also dream and talk about the future, you know, and so all really valuable parts of retreat. Wow. That's true. You guys both really nailed it to say it could be a daily venture where we're kind of daily running away from what's most important, as well as some specific times where we just say, I'm taking the afternoon to talk with God. I'm taking the weekend to go away with my spouse. And I love that you guys are so intentional about that and that you have this uh, space now where it's lining up so that others can do that. I've been loving watching your family and friends enjoy it as well. Um, tell us about your, uh, your hope for what you you're hoping that couples can do as they retreat with you, um, as they read Travis's book, um, as they connect with you, because I love your shiny eyes exam and I'm hoping you can also share that with us too. You want to share? Yeah, well, uh, take a stab at it and that, but yeah, we, um, uh, the, hoping that couples that that can come out to the shiny eyes retreat east tennessee um 
I guess can can just um again kind of back to what I define retreat as you know see a space where they can actually make their space I mean that to me uh that's a big part of it for me is I want it to feel like it's it's when you're there that's your place and whether and so it's got nine acres of woods it's got a mountain view across from it has this pastoral incredibly like uh like this was made for our time but it's like a time full of anxiety and just so much speed is there's a, a pasture in the foreground of the mountains that's full of cows. And I have never imagined that one day in my forties, the one of the greatest sort of my mind is going to, I would just love to go sit and look at the cows in the pasture. Cause I mean, even just looking at them and how their pace and, you know, it makes you just drawn into the beauty and slowing down and being present in our landscape. Um, how much that just sort of just brings me down and, and then am much more silent, aware in a place to like hear and process and, and, and then, and then work through things like, okay, now like having joy and um, I don't know. So it's like yeah. contentment in that. And uh, well, and there's, I mean, it's 15 acres. So, I mean, nine of those are woods and we have started to develop some trails and, uh, a mentor of ours who did retreats out in Colorado, he, he had this, this prayer trail and he's kind of shared the booklet with us. And, um, it's just such a great idea to have the landscape guide you oh in God. how to be with God you know? And it's like, so we're really excited about that too. Oh my gosh. A prayer trail. I love that idea. Well, it's part of the story of the desert fathers and like backpacking, you know, didn't necessarily backpack, but backpacking in the wilderness, you know, this idea of like, we see the wilderness always show up in scripture as a place to kind of a mysterious place, a place of desolation that somehow, that's where God often is doing the most work in these places. I mean, that's even our own stories. We're mm-hmm. people that have so much work, interior work to be done, but it's interesting in these spaces of geography and topography of how spiritually God uses those places to shape us as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Doing that and, and you're helping people to make a space to when you guys say shiny eyes, I mean, I'm so grateful to have, the awareness now from your book, but tell people about that. And they might want to grab your book obviously too, because it's so good, but tell us about like, what are we going for uh, when we're trying to also look at your, your name here, which is so meaningful, shiny eyes. Mm-hmm. So um, real quick on the book, just the idea for me is just that uh, especially as Christians, that um, the things that we, you know, we all battle anxiety and all of the stresses of everyday life. But I was really struck going through COVID of how, what, and politically all the turmoil, but I, it just feels like so many, when I hear conversations and stuff like that, so many of us as Christians, we don't, like our eyes should look to different things for hope. And so we shouldn't be seeing, you know, so not to say we don't get rattled by scary things in our world. Um, the world is beautiful and scary. Terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Frederick Buechner's line. But that we should be anchoring into things like beauty. Uh, our emotion, tears can be a really interesting place that takes us on a journey um, of, of seeing God's nearness and presence and uh, slowing us down. Um, joy, things like wonder, um, and then hope. And seeing through those lenses, I think also 
uh, was the attempt in the book to help us see differently. But then also as a result, our eyes should look differently. Like we can all talk about like those friends in our lives that like whenever there's a difficult thing and you, and you just, you're kind of drawn to their eyes as a, as a lighthouse because there's just something behind them glowing with hope. And, and so I, I just feel like we should, our eyes should look differently too. You know what I mean? And so I guess that then kind of hopefully this property also sort of mimics, uh, or at least as a space that those types of disciplines can happen or experiences um, in different ways that, that again, can make us um, see the world differently in new ways, in ways maybe we've forgotten or childlike ways through wonder and joy and the things that we've lost through um, becoming adults, you know, like Peter Pan issue here, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. So, yeah. 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 You had mentioned the, the examine that was something that we were introduced to through our retreat processes. Like when we've gone on retreat, like been led in uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola's examine exercise, but it was just a few, I think a month ago, mm -hmm. I saw kind of the same themes in the shiny eyes values. And I was like, you know, it's still the examine, but it's just worded a little bit differently. So did you want to show that? Yep. So the examine is just, yeah. How, how do I daily see God's uh, presence and his movement in my day? That's a simple, it's just a cool exercise that Ignatius created that, so that helps us reflect on again, back to the little mundane, the ordinary, but, but it's not really ordinary. Something mysteriously, you know, powerful is happening with God's presence. So, um, so it's just asking things. What we adapted that Jess is saying is, questions to ask throughout your day. Maybe it's one time, maybe it's a couple times like the examine, but what is bringing joy? I was so pausing like right now, like just kind of reorienting my day. What is bringing tears? What are the things making me sad today? Now, what has been beautiful? Um, And then ultimately then what are you hoping for? What are we hoping for? Maybe by the end of the day or to get to a point. So it's like, it just, I think gives us uh kind of helps us rediscover and find our heart in the day. Like, so as a, for me as a body type, I feel you know, probably a lot of times disconnected from my heart, but it brings me back into an awareness of my feelings and my fears and all of those things. And I think it's a powerful way then to, to pray in a new way. Cause often we'll sit down. I know for me, like, God, what do you even pray about? I don't, cause I don't even know what I'm feeling, but this makes me, okay, wow. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I've realized I'm sad about this thing mm -hmm. i didn't even think about that till now well, i'm gonna pray about that mm -hmm. man this is such a joyful thing i'm gonna give praise to that like mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. and as you know like just based on somebody's personality it's like you're gonna lean more towards like i might i, I can see the tears all day long <laughs> you know so poor um but you know maybe a more positive reframing you know type would really struggle to to see the desolations or the tears or the things that are hard there, everything's just the joy and the hope, you know, but it gets you balanced to look at all of the things. Yeah. Even your approach with heart, mind, body gets you balanced. Cause you could just be, like you said, just in your thoughts or looking ahead. And instead you're looking to see, as you both are saying, you know, are we allowing our lives to be touched by each other? And by God, are we slowing down to do that? And I love how we're, yes, Jesse brings the slower pace, but I feel like fours are really 
honestly, these last few years really on their own with this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad to kind of, for the rest of us out there to kind of join them more. I think they have a big job to bring us back a lot. We're just moving at a crazy pace more and more. And so it's nice for me to hear that. I also think those visual types can help us because I know the other day it was so funny that I had um, been watching this guy. Of course, I wasn't watching as a non-visual type. I was listening and I said, I want you to see this YouTube of this guy. He took one look for about 10 seconds. He goes, I can't. His eyes are so off. It's just what you guys said. Like he was like, his eyes are crazy. Like he used a technical term and he was like, I'm concerned about addiction, you know, and he used a lot of medical jargon. I was like, I never noticed that. I only heard him. And he's like, I'm sorry, Christy. He's like, I really want to. I feel like this person has so much to offer probably, but I'm going to be honest. It's going to be a really hard, it's going to be really hard for me to get past the way his eyes are looking medically speaking. And it was just such a like visual when you were saying that I was like, eyes matter, you know, cause they're the window to the soul and they tell things that we don't always, we don't always know. So it's good to look for each other's eyes. It's good to, for you guys listening to get Travis's book because uh, you know, you two together have such a beautiful ministry and you can see the way Jesse's rubbed off on you from the first pages, like I said, where you talk about her sparkling green eyes to the ways that Jesus's eyes wept and looked to the soul. Um, so maybe before we end, you guys could share just a little bit about your types. And uh, and this is an invitation for listeners to also get to get in touch with them for coaching about finding your shiny eyes and your soul care. But if you could share a little bit about for you as a four and an eight, what does it look like when you're really um, allowing that shiny eyes to uh, to be featured in yourselves? There we go. Um, so for four, oh, that's. That's wonderful that you can identify. Uh, okay, I'm sad now because I feel despair. I'm enraptured in beauty because I feel that authenticity. Um, and then the uniqueness. I love that you're like, let's just name it that fours love being unique and it's just something they love <laughs> versus trying to fix it. Cause I feel that too about fours. I mean, uh-huh. you know, there's there's obviously, you know, places of growth for that, yeah. that it's not everything, but it brings very immediate joy. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Let's just enjoy that part. But yeah, that that hope is really, um, I think, if you think of hope as more of a future thing and um, and having gratitude, um, you know, for a four, that's that's really important, you know, to to have that that grateful, thankful, um, not just now for what I have, but knowing I'm thankful that I will continue to have these things instead of the lack. Mm. Um, yeah. And so then rest is the, I know that's not in his book, but it's a value that we have. And um, as far as retreats and leading people, rest is essential. So um, we like to identify rest for a four is kind of that healthy space. So sometimes if you look at, um, you know, I mean, fours can tend to feel uh, unworthy or uh, unloved. Um, Other heart types do too, but, but I am beloved. Mm. If you can rest in your belovedness as a four, I mean, it's huge. Oh, that's awesome. And you said heart types are such connectors. So spouses, family, make sure you slow down to make sure that four feels the belovedness, but also, like you said, within yourself as a four doing this practice. Oh, thank you. Mm. Okay. What about the eight? 
Well, if we're doing it through those lenses of, yeah, kind of joy, tears, beauty, and hope. Um, by the way, I think rest, how it's incorporated in the book is the book may put you to sleep. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. So, um, <laughs> Not at all. Well, I think for me, like joy, I, I mean, I want to say like kind of comes with not feeling controlled, you know, more than for me grabbing control. It's just kind of feeling autonomy and freedom. Um, I guess that's kind of, you know, it kind of seems like a negative spin on what joy should be, but I think, or also just with, I just feel like a worthy cause that I can use my, um, standing up or, you know, when I think of like, um, working the space of foster care, like for me, man, I mean, it's just like the marginalized, um, that just brings me so much joy to, to be a, a help push the position them in the center. Mm. Uh, of awareness and you know empowerment things like that um for me tears would like my wounding would be feeling betrayed and feeling like i I can't trust people that's a wound for me so when those moments happen in my life that's that really sort of devastates and kind of causes me to overly probably yep see can't trust anybody you know which isn't really the healthy but that's what it feels like so that can that can lead me to feeling very sad um beauty for me would be more like experiencing innocence and lightness and playfulness um kind of i i love where i the armor that i feel i need to have on in the world um to arm up and be strong like when when um again it's an illusion a lot I, but I, that's an eight thing but that when that armor can safely just come off and just lay there and the weight of it is is no longer on my shoulders um then the uh, kind of we talked about, I think hope and joy together a little bit of that autonomy and freedom. And then last for me, rest, I guess, would be um, just when I'm gentle <laughs> and more calm and just uh, soft. Th that if I can get soft, that's that's my daily work. Mm. Soften, just bring it down, soften, bring the intensity down. Jess is a four. So boy, is that a discipline that just... <laughs> I mean, it's necessary for her for, in our dynamic and it's so good for me. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a necessity for your marriage pairing to be able to have that more than anyone, any other probably eight pairing. But I think it's really what all eights need is that softness. Um, and so it's a, it's a gift to have Jess, but like you said, a challenge. And so uh, it's fascinating all the different ways our types can play with the lights and the shadows together. And thankfully marriage is long. So we have a lifetime to do that. So tell our audience how they can connect with you guys. I know somebody would probably love to get your coaching expertise. Mm. My coaching is through guidedpace.com. So that's how people can reach us for coaching. But as far as retreats, there'll be a place on that website for retreats. But Shiny Eyes, we were on um, YouTube and Facebook and all, all, all the social well, Shiny Eyes retreats on Facebook Shiny particularly. Um, if you do want to check out the book, just type in on Amazon shiny eyes book. I think you have to add book to it. Cause you're going to get a lot of like girls eyelashes and all, oh, yeah. all the accessories that go under shiny eyes. But, yeah. And and you'll find the book type shiny eyes book. Yep. So you just are such a gift to all of us. So I'm grateful so many different ways to connect with you and I'm glad I've gotten to connect with you. So thank you for your precious time today. Thanks for saying that Krista. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming.
Okay, so awesome. We got to talk to Jessica and Travis. Now we're moving into Travis's part of the episode where we really get to interview him. In fact, I recorded this interview first with Travis. So it was really cool to get to know him on two different spaces apart from the work I've seen with him and Jesse in the coaching journey as they become coaches. Uh, but just to get to hear his heart and working with Scott Allender, you're going to love it because you've remembered Scott and his book here and uh, all they're doing as friends and as uh, as guys out there just learning together. This is so inspiring and I love that hopefully you can take this part of the episode and bring it to your guy or if you're the guy listening, awesome. Let's learn together. Let's see. And you'll see that I really take with Travis some places and spaces of questions and ways of approaching that I don't think he expected and I didn't expect his answers. It further confirms that men and women are often so different. And yes, we have that bell curve, but really? So it's so refreshing to get to make sure we know that. And so that way we can continue to work together. So anyway, let's talk to Travis. Travis, thank you so much for joining us for the Enneagram and Marriage podcast today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to get to have this conversation with you. And I got to finish your awesome book today, Shiny Eyes. And thank you for coming on. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. So yeah, I, uh, my name is Travis, uh, married to Jessica, uh, who will, who some of you've gotten to know through podcasts and different things, but um, yeah, we're, I'm a dad of five kids. We adopted two. I work for a national organization in the foster care space, kind of solving the foster care issue state by state. So that's kind of what occupies some of my daytime. And then I also care some for my brother, who was in a tragic car wreck several years ago and has a traumatic brain injury. But getting to do those two things are ways I can show up, I guess, with my Enneagram 8, which we can probably talk more about. But Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Your huge heart. I love your brother's story. What I've gotten to know of it. I love that you and Jess have such a heart for family, for ministry, uh, for your retreat center. This is a beautiful big life you guys have for adoption, foster care. So yes, we're so grateful we get to have not only uh, males listen and, and learn from you, but also sometimes even wives that might be saying, what are the ways I can get my husband to emotionally connect with me? So I am so glad and geeked out that we get to have this particular topic covered because we know this one is not super common for men, right? Right. Totally. For sure. So tell us a little bit about your own personal journey into becoming emotionally aware and what made you feel like uh, you really needed to become emotionally aware. Okay. Yeah. Great question. And I'll just start by saying if any dudes are out there listening, I mean, I am not at all a poster child for this, but maybe I can be a little bit of a tour guide. So at least in my own story, but basically I think my journey with at least leaning more into emotional awareness probably was, first of all, I'm married to a four. So <laughs> how do you, I mean, that's like trying to stay wet, not get wet near the swimming pool. I mean, it's, it's impossible to, you know, not delve into emotions in some way. So for sure that, and then just watching Jesse's journey kind of in her own self work and being inspired by that, you know, as, as watching it. And then I would say, kind of a real key thing for me was about five years ago with my organization, America's Kids Belong, where someone, one of the staff members brought in the introduction of the Enneagram, took some staff trainings and kind of as a culture formation thing. And so it was my first introduction to the tool. And I'll never forget, um, this would have been my initial response 
uh, would have been something like, oh, great, another tool to box me in. And I remember one of the books that we were, or the book that we were supposed to read was Ian Cron's, is it The Road Back to You or whatever the, yep. And he has this line that was something like, those of you that think, think this is putting you in a box, this is taking you out of the box you're in. Wow, that's, that's a pretty good line. Okay, okay, I respect that. Yeah. And then it kind of, yeah, intrigued me. And then, uh, yeah, just diving more into understand the Enneagram as this tool that to me stood apart, mm-hmm. not so much in the, the other tools like Meyer Briggs and things on our giftings and wirings, which obviously are important and, and teach us a lot. But this idea that these formative woundings and these response mechanisms we had at a, I guess at a formative time in our development um, became a strategy and a lens to see the world and show up in that way. Mm-hmm. And that just made so much more sense in terms of the way, okay, wow, that, that, that makes sense of the motivation maybe behind some of my behaviors. So mm-hmm. then the last piece of sort of my emotional awareness journey, again, tiny baby steps was I lost my dad uh, just a little over a year ago and Absolutely. rocked my world Yes. So, yep. Yep. And so that, um, and in fact, actually that's in a way how I got connected with you did some coaching for me and then some marriage coaching for us, which is amazingly helpful. And so that's a little bit of the background to my journey there. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you continued to dive deeper and it sounds like God had you just as you needed to do that. Uh, you got to do that because it would have been even harder, which we can't imagine it being harder, but it would have been had you not had some support and you have had a really good spiritual director who is mm-hmm. also a four, right? The fours in my life and nines or other numbers that I tend to be really good friends with, but mm-hmm. I just, I'm surrounded by, I guess, fours that help me uh, challenge me, I guess, obviously married to Jesse and then uh, started with spiritual direction also a little over a year ago, and and my spiritual director, Steve Smith, who is a four, I just remember one of the our opening sessions, and he just had this line of, he said, Travis, and he's like seeing right through me. I mean, fours just have this way of just like, I can just, and so probably on Zoom or whatever, but he said, Travis, and he just leans in close, you were made to excavate your inner world. <laughs> and I was really scared by that comment (laughs) because I, you know, so I would be a self-preserving eight and which I've read can be the, what some call the most armed of the eights. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's a lot that goes under the surface of, uh, I guess, not wanting to be controlled, but also understanding that what I can maybe conceal is part of, I guess, my strategy Mm -hmm. to not being controlled or to having control or whatever. And so for me, especially to to think of excavating this inner world that I don't know that I even know what it is or what that might mean. Or, I mean, what are we talking here? Like a, a scalpels or, I mean, I mean, this excavation is <laughs> like a giant, you know, we're going to like a mine or something. And I think that's what he had in mind. And he obviously did. I can see this now. 
yeah. right but it was and we don't see eight scared a lot but that's the funny thing well, is when we start talking about vulnerable things we're like okay i'm scared genuinely so i so. love that i love that you were up for the challenge even though it scared you and so we've been saying a lot in our home lately just do it scared because sometimes you want to do it without that feeling but sometimes the feeling is still there so doing it scared is one great place for everyone to start as you're sharing also you're sharing with humility to say hey i started on my enneagram journey and then i you know got coaching I got, you know, marriage coaching, I got spiritual coaching. So there's a lot of different ways that you've had support, but I also love that you're looking through emotional intelligence with a support group of guys. Sounds like you're able to have some deep conversations, not just one-to-one, but now socially and guys need this too, right? Totally. Yeah. In fact, I would say that we, as guys, we can we're so good at hiding. And I think we're so good at, um, even in social, like even in community as guys, we can still hide. Well, like it's, we can be real surfacey and, and there, there's nothing wrong with our football leagues and, you know, the different things that we really get into with together. But I think even those things can be masks mm-hmm. often to go deeper or want to go deeper. And so I think, I love what you just said to set this up. I do think it does take some courage, but I do think that when we can have a community of a few other guys, maybe another guy that it just take, it makes that journey shared and it makes it like, it, I don't know, it makes us be courageous together. And so, so I, I'm friends with Scott Allender who wrote the Enneagram of Emotional Intelligence book, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that is the book that me and two other guys kind of are on this journey together to read twice a month. We get together yeah. and um, process the book and then just kind of talk through it and kind of come up with game plans together and have a lot of fun. So, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So if guys are thinking about digging deep, this is a, and we've had Scott on the podcast and I know you guys are friends. So it's neat to put that into people's hands to say, this is a great book for guys to walk through once or twice a month. Do you guys have food and fellowship too? Or do oh. you just say, let's have zoom time. How do you do that? No, we're all pretty local, local. So yeah, absolutely. We're making it like, um, it's the best of both worlds to have community and fun and then kind of bring in this discussion thing. And it's not like the discussion of the book and and that dominates the night. You know, we we're dudes. So we're talking about sports and other things too. But yeah, no, we have, we're usually grilling something out. It's like a tailgate with a book. So we're like, yeah. So we're grilling, you know, and it might be having a beer sometimes or whatever, but just like, yeah, it's, it's so, so we usually tackle it with like coming in with maybe a chapter we've read and then kind of just talking through what stood out to us. And then kind of at the end of the discussion, we're kind of like, okay, let's help together come up with like, what, what's my takeaway? What's Danny's and what's Phil's. And I will also say to the book uh, as, as a resource is that Scott's in a masterful job writing a book that to me. Uh, you might be a uh, savant with the Enneagram. You've done deep dives. It can appeal to you to that, that you're still, there's a lot of stuff there to grow with, but mm-hmm. he's a masterful writer in that you can also n- know nothing. And he walks you through emotional intelligence through the lens of the Enneagram in a way that's like so digestible and so understandable. So, yep. Oh, I really appreciate you saying that for guys, especially because without, you know, we can't put everyone in a box, like we said, 
but it is so very real in the sessions with guys that they are like, I want clarity. So I really appreciate you saying there's clarity, even though there's some deep dives. And I would agree. I feel the same about the book. So I'm glad you guys do that. Now, what are some ways that you think women might be able to tap in to guys' hearts also? Because we all agree, and I think we've really seen this as a through line that men need fellowship with other men. Men need some fun, some adventure. I was just talking to a friend about um, my son's reading, like, why isn't he liking this one book? And she's like, guys need, you know, even little boys, of course, they can't have a boring book. So you're bringing fun to the table, literally. Um, but what about the women who are like, but what about with me? <laughs> you know, that's always our question as women. Why well, want him to go deep with me, not just as guy friends? Yeah, such a good question. And such a, it's a bit of an intimidating question, but I will (laughs) answer this representing guys out there who want my friends bent. You're right. So there's a kind of funny line and it, it, it's about emotions and it says, you know, women tend to know how to paint with a full set of oils while guys are doodling with crayons. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm also picturing of like doll crayons where like every drawing is a bad dinosaur. Like that (laughs) that kind of feels like where a lot of us guys are at. Uh But I think that thinking through it, I think that so one line that comes to mind, I don't know who said this, but one thing is give time time. And that seems like a simple line, but I think it's profound of just like yeah. some of this does take time. And and I think a lot of women would probably say, yeah, but it's, it's already been 20 years and we're not getting so. And I, I get that. And I, I still think there's uh, got to be compassion towards the journey for guys. One of the things that that came to my mind for me personally, that. I know my wife has done in an incredible way that has opened me up to it's kind of lit a fire in a way of like seeing that if I lean into my emotions, um, there's something it's also doing for her where she'll say, Trav, when you share what's going on in your inner world, yeah. uh, feeling, she'll say things like that makes me feel so special or so good, or I feel so close. Like almost like there's a fascination to this that if you just even in snippets can tell me it's like, and for me, that affirmation of like, this means that literally the world to her yeah. um, has, has just been kind of a motivational spark to kind of like honor that and also like risk doing that. So and so, and I think it's, it leads to better intimacy. I mean, there's, you know, we, we can look at the other reasons for guys, you know, that these types of things, but it really does. It's a, it's a, it's a, a way that we can, I think, connect deeper. So I think one thing is just affirming in ways, like how much it does mean to you when your guy can open up like that. Put the time in. I like how you said that. And I want to give you a chance to give us more. I can tell you have more and I love it. Um, I was going to say even just the funny thing for me was the way you interpreted the comment, uh, the quote about give time time was even different the way than the way I did as a female. Because I was thinking when you said give your guys time, I was like, yes, give the woman time. She only got 20 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so- yeah. No, that's hilarious. That's we just different lenses. But I love how you saw that line even differently. Um, <laughs> I was like, thank funny. you. She needs time to talk <laughs> to you. But then you okay. finished it up and you said, so A, give your guy time. It may take many years for men and women, and especially because men didn't have the emotional training. It's going to take longer. But then you also said, in general, make sure that um, you do understand that she needs to hear just the emotional support and not the fixing. So I love that you shared that. And you were going to share something else too. So one thing is just making it fun. You know, um, 
And I, these are just, again, things I've kind of seen that have helped me. So what is your thing? You know, it, if it's a date night, if it's a date night at a brewery, maybe you have a regular, there's something you guys like to do together. Let's say for instance, on a date, mm-hmm. if I think you can, as a, as a wife or partner, you know, to kind of maybe encourage, Hey, what if on our, on the kind of part of our routine is, and this doesn't have to dominate the whole night, but if, if just a portion of this time, you know, we're just kind of sharing what we're feeling about our week or how, what are we feeling inside? What are we thinking and how are things going? A, in that setting, you know, you're not just like maybe in your, your normal, maybe just laying in bed where this, this has <laughs> triggers, you know, like, oh my, it's 11 at night, you know, and it's like nothing good happens after that. So, I mean, we all can relate. I can of like, oh my gosh, yes, there's not a worse thing right now. <laughs> yes, we could all relate. Right, right. So I think even your your change of scenery can take down some of that sort of even historical struggle there. I mean, so I, I would say that's been one thing. I, sort of the last parts of it come to mind of just approach, I think, is just variety. So maybe encouraging him, you know, maybe you know some of his friends that, you know, hey, James, like, you guys ever think of like you and Steve and Matt ever doing a bonfire or just kind of getting together and and maybe when you do get together, maybe that is a rhythm that's happening, but like, maybe just try to go a little bit deeper beyond like fantasy football. And like, cause I'm sure those guys are struggling and they'd love to hear from you and hear, you know, I don't know, little things like that sometimes. Yeah. And these are things I'm sure many have tried and maybe that's a failing, but the yeah. last two for me, I think are also ways to bridge the gap. Again, this is my own personal experience and what has helped mm-hmm. is when our wives, when you guys can kind of join us on the journey. And so one has been where you guys might have one couple that you just feel closer to. Like when you guys hang out, yeah, you have your fun and goofy and light times, but you also have this way, you guys know, sometimes you go deep and maybe your guy doesn't even realize he's going deep. I mean, he is actually accessing emotions when you guys are together with this couple. And if that's the case, maybe trying to harness that relationship to be like, you know, to where you, you again, back to a rhythm, you're hanging out a little bit more with this couple with that intentionality behind it. And you're clear with them about this too, of like, we just need support together and like love to just share life, you know? And I feel like that also is another way to bring down this, like, it's just you and me and it's intimidating and I I don't know what to say, you know? And then I guess in the last of just, this sort of a bridge, I would say, together would be some mentors of us when we were living in St. Louis a decade ago, actually more than that now, um, talked about this idea of this marriage accountability thing group. And it's like, okay, what is that? And the whole cool concept, and you can kind of tweak this, but it's again, kind of similar to what I just said, but it's coming up with a couple or two mm-hmm. or whatever that you guys are pretty close to have done some life with. And the point of it is you're getting together again to share life, but you're sharing your struggles and, or your victories, the different things. But the twist of it is, is that you're, you're speaking, you're getting to speak though into each other. Like that's part of the permission thing. Like part of this, what we're doing is we're going to share what we're kind of going through Mm -hmm. open to whatever you want to say. But then other couples were giving again, and these are close people to you, but are are having permission to kind of speak into that and and vice versa. And I've seen this dynamic play out in this peer-to-peer thing where me as Jesse's husband sharing kind of a, a kind of a relational hurdle and then my feelings toward that, all of a sudden 
our friend Denise and Tim over here, Denise might speak a little bit into like, yeah, I've, and sometimes might challenge even like Jess's kind of approach with me or challenge me in a way, mm -hmm. but because it's not our spouse, we, we can receive it differently, mm -hmm. but also there's kind of this mutual, like shared, we're, we're kind of all in this rhythm together of sharing emotions and sharing our inner worlds. And so anyway, that's, that's one other thing that I've seen has sort of been, again, that might take the right dynamic, of course, but it's another different varied approach that cultivates that way for men to kind of open up better. And that was my point, I think, is if we can find ways that guys get, get comfortable going deeper in a variety of settings, then I think growth starts to happen to where if ultimately you want to be laying in bed at nine and turn over and say, honey, can you just, I really want to hear how you're, how you're feeling inside. Mm -hmm. Maybe that will help get to that thing because it it's it's been building to that. Mm -hmm. That's just some advice from my own experience and what's helped me. That's really good. And I'm really glad you took on that huge question because like we were saying, I feel like you answered in an unexpected way to me. Think on the recent video I shared with the Enneagram and Marriage Certification Group that one of my actual male clients shared. It was just of a husband and wife sitting there and she had a big nail on her head. And he, of course it wasn't real, but it looked like it was. And he kept saying, I want to fix that for you. And she's like, I just want you to listen to me. And it's really funny. Um, but I kind of just thought we would share that today where you'd be like, just be a better listener. <laughs> you know, Like that's me as a woman. And so like, how fun was it for me to hear all kinds of different strategies for men? So really we did go out of the box today because you're like, okay, you know, the bigger things are going to be seeing other guys do this, which I know Paul Cardall shared about, my husband shared about, so many other guys have shared. Guys are not trained like this. We need to see other men with this. You've also shared the the coaching with, you know, your own work, but also your spiritual director, having the emotional capacity, your wife having this gifting. Um, and so you're sharing there's layers and those layers take time. And I think that for others who are either social instinct or eights like yourself or other quick moving types that are guys, this is everything because you're giving time, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's something about like, back to what you were saying too, just about, um, because so much of this is listening well. And I do think sometimes we can get into relational patterns too, where, and this is both, this runs across both genders, obviously. And we get into like our routine fights that seem scripted. Like we always say the same things. And, yeah. but when we can, we can intentionally, and this is an eight line, but when we can intentionally disrupt something, that's what I think eights we bring to the world is how can we disrupt a bad pattern or injustice? Yeah. That's true. So I really resonate with that. So when we can disrupt even these types of things, it's like, how can we both do better at just listening to one another? Because I think guys speaking for myself again here too, is I feel like, and I'm guilty of this myself, but we, we get so even agenda driven in our listening, you know, we, we don't, we can feel really loved by our spouse and we love them, but we can still also, I think, struggle to feel safe to, to share. And that seems a bit counterintuitive if, if we've been married forever and we feel close in a way. But I think for men, like there is part of us because it's for many of us, it isn't as natural to lean into our feelings and go deep and go into our inner world. And then on top of that, it often feels like when we have, it's felt judged Mm. Or she so quickly is dismissive of things. Mm. 
it, it, it makes us, makes me <clears throat> almost go like, look, I'm not even comfortable going there anyway. Mm -hmm. now, you know, now the gate is getting locked <clears throat> because, because it just, it, you've now reinforced, okay, I was trying to do that some, but you shut me down so quickly with, and again, I, I do this to her too. So I'm not trying to, this is a yeah, gender, yeah, yeah. but, mm -hmm. um, but there's this great line of friendship where it's like, when we're listened to, it creates us and it makes us unfold and expand to be listened to makes us unfold, like mm -hmm. expand. Like when we really listen to each other, we're, we're, we're being created. There, there's a newness that's coming out. There's a, and that should spark both of us to be excited. Cause it's like, there's a new, something new happening in our relationship. This isn't like the stale so that that's a message for guys, you know, too, to like mm -hmm. um, embrace that and 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 be courageous and 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 look for newness going forward that can happen when you start opening up better. More. I love that you're saying we both have to start listening better when we creatively allow for listening. We will expand. We will feel safer. We'll, you know, from the contractions, and that's a really great analogy for us all. Um, and thanks for taking that courageous mark to say, like, sometimes I know you were cautious and tentative and said, hey, I can do it too. But I think that's a great tip for the women listening is be a safe vessel. Uh, there's a statement that we've all heard nice guys finish last. So there's this strange paradox of guys knowing that you want somebody who's strong. And yet we're we're trying to help guys to be strong and soft. And that paradox isn't always going to play out perfectly. So I think you're saying the best thing for women to do is to give time for him to share, expect it to be shared imperfectly because we're all imperfect and allow for him to feel safe. But I also hear you saying to men and women both, like, don't be afraid to allow for some holy disruption because uh, the patterns in place are obviously not working. And so keep tweaking, keep trying. Don't just go back, like you said, and lock the chamber, but stay to try new things, right? Totally. And and that's what I love about what your new book is about and just your podcast. I, I feel like that is what you're reminding your listeners and all of us constantly is like, yes, the, the, the journey, like even, even if I has gotten dark or the path's grown dim or weeds are growing over, it's not over. Keep going. It's a, like, and have faith and hope and, and, and just move forward, you know? And mm -hmm. I don't know. So I, I just resonate with, you know, disrupting patterns, trying new things, Mm -hmm. and, and just trusting having faith that you know the journey may still be a while and maybe but different views of this but you know give time time you know so yes <clears throat> that's so good I'm so glad and don't be afraid to be the first to love that's hard but it's so worthy because life is precious and a gift and um, I do want to share for those watching or listening you have an amazing book um, as we're ending, I'm going to ask in a second where people can find you, but shiny eyes, seeing better through the lenses of joy, tears, beauty, and hope. And in your book, you really help us to see not only so much theological truth that I would almost expect of somebody like what you said with your eightness, uh, just, you know, this is a book for theology and understanding God better, but really you delve into emotion here too. And after finishing it, I wanted to take extra time, even on my tight schedule today, I was like, I need time to sit in God's beauty. I need time to allow God to unfold and to not just kind of push God out of my day. So I just want to encourage people to grab your book too, for a deeper reflection on just having these shiny eyes so that we are not just kind of stoic, but that we actually allow for feelings. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really honored that you read that and, and are 
you know, letting me say something about it. But yeah, you can find it on Amazon. You the type shiny eyes book and it yeah. should show up. Also have a blog called stainedglasseyes.com and you can also mm-hmm. find it on there. So. Okay. Yeah. And those are the best places to reach you for your book, which again, highly recommend. I, what about as far as your, your retreat center, tell us about just, if people are like, I want to get more emotionally attuned. I want to get to know others like this. Is there a way they can reach out to you? Cause I know you have shiny eyes retreat center too now. Correct. So that's Ooh. East Tennessee. We have some land with some really cool, unique uh, things like a geodesic dome and mountain view and you just go there and you just just want to just look out of the mountains so you're already in a, a setting in east tennessee where it's just beautiful but we have jesse on our website has a website called guidedpace.com that has some links and information around that and then on facebook shiny eyes retreats is something you can look up um and then eventually we'll have a website for it and stuff like that but this is the bridge right now to kind of get you some more information yeah oh my gosh i've been loving watching you guys set it up it's so beautiful and i'm so thankful and so we'll put that in the show notes too so people can be ready to see uh, another enneagram center in a way i mean it's not just for enneagram people but conversations of depth uh beautiful to uh get to know you and Jesse and i'm so excited for you guys and all you're doing so thank you for coming on today travis Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you guys so much for taking part in this episode with us. I'm so grateful to this couple for getting a chance to take some time out of their busy day with their five kids and all of their clients to truly allow us that breath of fresh air that we need at this time of the year. I was just thinking how my favorite part of the episode was when they said like, what is God already doing in your life that you might not be thinking about, that you might be running from and thinking you need to be doing something else. And that is so classic for so many of us. And we have so much grace around that, but let's see, let's see what God's doing and open your eyes to this soul care. And of course, even the emotional care with your husband, with you, but just make sure you honor others on this journey that you don't force anybody into it, that you allow them to be themselves and have some joy around it. People are growing at their own pace and rate. And so get that self-care and soul care so that you can still love people, even though they're imperfect, just as they're doing the same for you. So make sure you check out the show notes with Travis's book, with all that Jesse and Travis are doing in terms of coaching. And also make sure you check out our 12 days of deals coming up so that you can really just find your best ways to relate this whole year now and coming ahead. And we have some great podcasts coming for you in the future. We have Dan and Becky Allender. I can't wait to have them talking about trauma. We have a fun couple coming on from the show, The Bachelor. And I am just glad for a myriad of fun and serious episodes so that we can allow ourselves both the lightness and the sobriety that we need to grow. Okay. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.